you are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G. D-O-D-G-E-R-S, team, 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 team. If you're the type of baseball fan that can't help but get giddy over prospects, we have the podcast for you. Locked on MLB Prospects, hosted by minor league play-by-play voice Aaron Layton, is the only daily podcast devoted entirely to the stars of tomorrow. Follow Locked on MLB Prospects on Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Yo, 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 Dodger fans. Welcome to Locked on Dodgers. We are part of the Locked on Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Locked on, your team every day. This is the daily podcast covering the World Series champion Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. I'm Vince Samperio, Chavezarine Fiends, here with Jeff Snyder of Baseball Essential. Jeff, not a bad weekend, huh? Yeah, the Dodgers bounce back after about as bad a start to a series as you can have, just like you bounce back from fumbling the introduction. And by the time people listen to this, they will have no idea until right now when they just heard me say you fumbled the introduction. Yeah, must be the the new digs. Um, I'm, I'm looking around, make sure nobody's walking by. Uh, I'm on the free Wi-Fi over here at the building since my internet isn't come for a while. So, uh, new new area for me. But the Dodgers are two and zero since I started watching games here, which is a good sign. And they went three and zero since we last had an episode. And yeah, seems uh, all around good times. But we're gonna talk about you know the win, kind of the next month or so. Talk about Clayton Kershaw and the other starting pitchers. Talk about Cody Bellinger and Zach McKinstry. But before all that. A quick reminder to subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcast when you get in your car or if you're at home, take your smart device to play podcasts locked on Dodgers. All right, Jeff. So last time we spoke, uh, not doomsday for us, but, you know, it seemed to be panicky Dodgers Twitter, uh, forgetting how long the season is. They just got swept by the Padres, got no hit by the Cubs and combined no hitter. So it was annoying um, when they came off. And the Dodgers, all the Dodgers did was come back and win the next three games, win the series, and gain one game on the Giants, so uh, not too bad. Yeah, it could have been better if the A's hadn't blown the lead to the Giants on Saturday. Uh, Dodgers could have picked up a couple games this weekend. But, yeah, I mean, one thing I didn't mention in our Friday episode when we were talking about trying to keep perspective and stuff is the Padres got swept by the Rockies like two weeks ago. You know, and and so and we saw how quickly that could turn around. It's the same thing. You know, every team has ups and downs throughout a season. And so the Dodgers are the four straight games, including three to the Padres and then a no hitter. Uh, it sucked. But what we saw was those things can turn around quickly. And and, you know, we definitely we've talked in the in the past about the best ways to uh, best and worst ways to win and lose a series. And I think in a four-game series, if you're going to win three or four, the best option is to lose the first one then win the last three. Uh, you probably wouldn't choose to get no hit in the first one. But all in all, once that was done, the Dodgers did the best they possibly could have done, took care of business, and we got our first walk-off too. Yeah, walk-off was fun. Cody Bellinger we'll get into a little bit later, hit that walk-off. Uh, but, you know, just – Kind of keeping things in the perspective like we talked about. You know, I tweeted out some some facts the other day about the Dodgers. Uh, before, they had only had five combined home runs from Seager and Bellinger. You know, they were 44 and 31 at the time. And just looking at the next month, I didn't even realize this till right now, is that they play the Giants nine times in the next month. Before August 1st, they will have played the Giants nine more times, which, you know, the way the Giants are going, even if they go 500 the rest of the way, they're a mid- 
93-94 win team. And, you know, we've expected them to slide a little bit. But at this point, they may be around to stick around longer than we thought because, like I said, 90, going 500, 94 wins. The Dodgers go 500 the rest of the way. They're around 92-93 wins. So it would be a battle, and the next month is going to determine, maybe not determine the entire division, but it's definitely going to take a big step toward that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we've talked about how – important it is for the Dodgers to to step up and start taking control and getting to play the team in front of you that many times is perfect for that opportunity because they you really do control your destiny in those games uh it'll be you know they they face Disclafani and Gosman in these next two games which will be uh a challenge they've been their two best pitchers probably uh or you know all, all their pitching has been good but the Dodgers have taken Disclafani to the woodshed once already this year nobody has really done much against Gosman but uh you know I I I'm feeling good about where the Dodgers are right now and I think uh it's time for them to start asserting themselves and getting to play the Giants and basically no other very good teams for the next month is about as good a situation as they could be in. Especially coming off this series, they had they got swept by the Cubs uh, in Chicago, lost first game of the series, come back, bounce back, and you know win not resoundingly, really but win pretty strong. You know, last three games a little bit closer on Friday night, but then they got a big home runs in the in the eighth inning and came back from that. And then just, you know, some solid wins the last two days, obviously highlighted by Julio Diaz and Clayton Kershaw, who we'll get into in the next segment. Uh, but anything else that we're not going to talk about in a little bit stood out to you this weekend or, or were you, that you really liked? Um, you know, I, I, I kind of liked that they, they won in a variety of ways. You know, on, on Friday, they were able to get to the Cubs bullpen in the eighth inning and, and really, really get to them to the point where you look at the final score and it doesn't even seem like it was close on Saturday. They got to the Cubs bullpen, but a little bit later and got a walk off. And then on, on Sunday, they dominated the starting pitcher and, and it seemed like they were able to do exactly what they needed to do in each of those games. And that's a sign of a good team. You know, a walk-off is very close to a loss. We've talked about that in the past, how, you know, you don't really want that many walk-offs necessarily because uh, it means you're close to losing. And so uh, it, it was nice to put up four runs in the eighth inning on Friday so they didn't need a walk-off. And it wasn't, you know, they ended up using Kenley Jansen anyway because he had already warmed up. But, uh, you know, they, they were able to use Phil Bickford to, to close out on Sunday and got the walk-off on Saturday. So it was just a good variety of good team victories. And talking about the bullpen, you know, the Cubs came in with, I think, the best bullpen, uh, and the Dodgers got to them a couple of times. The Dodgers bullpen on the flip side did pretty well overall. You know, take away a Thursday, which was a bad game. In general, you know, Phil Bickford had some innings this weekend. David Price went three days in a row, the first three games of the series. You know, Jansen trying it. Joe Kelly, who's probably one we're going to have to talk about if he keeps doing what he did, or Joseph Kelly, as he's now known. He told reporters, or him and Robert told reporters, that his name is now Joseph Kelly, who is his alter ego that throws strikes. And not only was Kelly throwing strikes, he was looking like the Kelly of old, pumping 101 the other night with adding that changeup that he struck out. Whoever he struck out with the changeup when he came in in a key situation, and then also has this curveball and other breaking stuff. So, yeah, I, I don't. If that's the Joe Kelly we're gonna get the rest of the year, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I love. I mean, Joe Kelly's a weirdo, and so it's not surprising at all that he has his own alter ego who throws strikes. Uh, I don't remember when I said it, but you remember uh, sometime in the last couple of weeks I said. 
you know, we're probably going to look up a month from now and realize, oh, Joe Kelly has quietly been really, really good. Well, I'm going to pretend that I said that on, let's say, June 9th, because since June 9th, Joe Kelly has thrown six and two-thirds innings, allowed one hit, two walks, seven strikeouts, no runs. Uh, he's just been dominant. And like like you say, I think it was Bryant and then Rizzo that he struck out uh, with that changeup. And, and the changeup has become – it was just a year ago – that he was literally breaking a window at his house trying to throw that changeup. And now it's kind of his go-to pitch. It is a pitch that has almost the same exact movement as his two-seam fastball. It's just, you know, 12 miles an hour slower. And that is basically unhittable when he can command that. And his slider has been looking good or curveball, whatever it is that he throws. I feel like it's a slider, but it's actually a curveball. Uh, it's one, But it's like a 90-mile-an-hour curveball. Uh, but, I mean, he's had all three pitches working. And seems confident. And if, if what he needs to be confident is to give himself a, a new name or go back to his given name or whatever and pretend it's an alter ego, great. You know what? There, there have been plenty of pitchers in baseball history who were successful, at least in part because they were insane enough to believe they could be successful. You know, the only quip that would have with your statement is that it hasn't been quietly per se. He's He's really ramped it up in the last week or so, a few appearances. And, you know, with that, with the alter ego thing, it, it wasn't quiet. But, hey, regardless of what it was, he's pitching well. And, you know, Phil Bickford, we've talked about him before. He's, I don't know, he, he's an interesting case so far. Um, but either way, Dodgers, like I said, great series overall. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about Clayton Kershaw, Julio Diaz, and the starting pitching. So make sure to keep it locked on Dodgers. We all know we should be eating more fish to get our omega-3s and protein, but the seafood counter can be intimidating. Which fish tastes best? What type of cut? Can you really be sure about the quality? Well, Wild Alaskan Company takes the guesswork out of buying wild-caught seafood. Do you love to order fish when you go out to eat but never make it for yourself at home? Well, now you can cook restaurant-quality dishes at home with the high-quality seafood and simple techniques from Wild Alaskan Food. I personally have tried their salmon and cod and halibut, all really good, all come frozen, fresh, right to your door. You can put it in the freezer if you want to keep it a little longer. You can cook it right then and there once it thaws out. It's great for, you know, whatever you want and whatever you're going to make. And there's different ways of making it. So there's uh, a lot of reasons for you to go get Wild Alaskan. Get your nutrition from nature with Wild Alaskan Company. And right now you can get $15 off your first box of premium seafood when you visit wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB. That's wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB for $15 off your first box. Wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB. Make sure to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. All right, Jeff, so we're back. Clayton Kershaw. Went eight innings, 13 strikeouts on Sunday. Julio Diaz went five and a third, 12 strikeouts on Saturday. And then it was Gonsolin on Friday. Didn't go as deep, but had about, had what, seven strikeouts in like four innings. So Dodgers starting pitching looked really good, getting a lot of strikeouts and getting some length finally back into, uh, into the rotation. Yeah, you would have liked to see a little more from Gonsolin, but when we heard before the game that he was going to be limited to 50 to 60 pitches, uh, I think he ended up throwing 62 pitches in those four innings. Maybe not quite as efficient as he would have liked, but he looked really good. Uh, and, and yeah, Julio uh, also maybe not quite as efficient as he would have liked. Uh, didn't get to stay in as long as he would have liked, but uh, and, and didn't get the win because he, he gave up a couple runs. But uh, they both looked 
good, definitely improvements over some of the concerns we've had about both of them their last few starts. And then Clayton Kershaw, you know, it was easy to forget that it was against these Cubs that Kershaw had his debacle start where he only went one inning through 39 pitches or whatever. Uh, it was one of the shortest outings of his career, maybe the shortest. And, and it was this same team. And on Sunday, he was a totally different pitcher. And I think some of that had to do with he was pitching in a real Major League stadium with real Major League weather instead of that Chicago garbage he had to had to face last time. But he was dominant. All three of his pitches were working. He didn't throw the curveball a lot, but when he did, it looked really good. And that, you know, between the slider being basically unhittable, he had 22 swings and misses on the slider. Uh, I, I don't know how many sliders he threw, but I think it was 103 pitches total, and he's been throwing the slider 47% of the time, so you would guess somewhere between 45 and 50 sliders, and he got swings and misses on 22 of them, so like almost half. Uh, that's just ridiculous, and struck out 11 different hitters, which I, I saw was tied with Randy Johnson for the most in one game in at least the last 40 years, so just a dominant performance from Kershaw that was, uh, I, I got to listen to it. I was driving all day, so I didn't get to watch it. I've watched the, the highlights since then, but uh, listening to it was a thing of beauty. You know, from Kershaw, this is just what we know he we, he can do when he has his pitches working. And obviously, he used to be able to get away. If the slider wasn't working, he was able to overpower a little bit with the fastball or, you know, bring in the curveball. Curveball wasn't working, he had the slider fastball. Fastball wasn't working, he had the slider curveball. And when all three are working right now, he's able to dominate like this. And the Cubs, you know, they're not, they're a first place team or around first place. Them and the Brewers are both up top of the division right now. Like I said, the last time they knocked them around. And, you know, he, he noted uh, after the game that, you know, 415 started Dodger Stadium. The shadows helped a little bit. But at the end of the day, his slider looked unhittable regardless if there were shadows or daytime, nighttime, whatever the time it was. And, for him, you know, he's had a, a couple struggle starts over the last month or so. Good for him to get that going, you know, get the well, – I don't, I don't think he needs confidence, but get that confidence back, see what he can do, and just bodes well for, like I said, what the Dodgers have in the next month. They need to have Clayton Kershaw at his best, and last night was Clayton Kershaw at his best. Absolutely. By the time the shadows kicked in, he already had like nine strikeouts, so that's a little bit of false humility there, Clay. Uh, it, it's uh, – you know, we, we've probably mentioned this before. When Kershaw is at his best right now, he's still as good as he ever was. He doesn't have the same stuff, but he can be as good as he ever was. The difference is that he doesn't have as much margin for error because he doesn't have the stuff. And so if one or even two of those pitches aren't working, then yeah, he, he's going to struggle sometimes. But like you said, what we saw on Sunday was Kershaw with everything working and you could uh, you could. Uh, insert that start into 2013 or 2014 and it would not look out of place and he was the best pitcher on the planet and one of the best pitchers in baseball history during those years yeah and then going to Julio you know he's obviously had his struggles we talked about it last time how he's already thrown more innings in the at the major league level this season than he has in any of the past seasons he might have been looking a little fatigued you know he bounced back had a had a big game broke the string of five straight games that the Dodgers have a lot of home run in the first inning broke that you know had the 12 strikeouts and and you know, less than six innings, which is a good sign. Got pulled with 84 pitches, not necessarily in a situation where 
you would always think he's going to get pulled. I wonder if it was a matter of, you know, he they might keep him on a little bit of a pitch count now. They just thought it was the right time, you know, based on what they had. Um, you know, did you have any thoughts there pulling him out a little bit early? I think he gave up a base runner, but, I mean, still it wasn't through six yet, and it was a close game. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised, and I, I don't remember the specifics of who was coming up, but I, I remember uh, as I was watching that thinking – yeah, I guess that makes sense. I I think it was one of those things where you as a manager you would always rather pull a pitcher one batter too early than one batter too late. And I think just with the way Julio had, you know, he had had some dominant moments in that game but wasn't an overall dominant performance and I think uh I think Dave Roberts just decided that it was that case, you know, okay, let's go a batter too soon instead of a batter too late and uh you know it worked out. Uh, I, I don't know if it worked exactly the way that he wanted, but the bullpen didn't allow anything. And so they got the job done. And then Kershaw, you know, may, maybe that was part of Kershaw's uh, secret motivation was knowing, okay, the bullpen maybe had to throw an extra inning yesterday. So uh, I'm going to give them more of a day off today to get ready for the Giants. Yeah, a couple extra innings Friday, a couple maybe an extra inning on, on Saturday. So that was good, for, big for Kershaw, big for this coming series. I mean, I don't expect – uh, the Dodgers starting pitchers to, to not go at least six innings, but hey, if it does happen, they'll have at least a, a somewhat rested bullpen. Now, one name I saw mentioned, not with the Dodgers, I saw with the Nationals, I think, was Anibal Sanchez. We talked about how the Dodgers may need to go after an innings eater type just to get through the regular season, not necessarily, you know, a, a, a move for the postseason, just a move to get them through the regular season because of Julio, like I said, maybe fatigued. Gonson shouldered. At this point, we're not entirely sure if it's going to last the rest of the season. The other guys are have thrown a lot, more, are going to throw a lot more innings than they did last season. Is that I don't, I mean, I haven't really looked, but that's a guy who we have seen do, not dominate, yeah, dominate the Dodgers for to a good a certain extent in the past, and a guy that's just sitting out there ready to pitch. I, I don't think the Dodgers go after him, um, but it could be you know time to look at some names like that just to get them through at least for a month or two. You know, I. I, I'm torn on this. Like I'm, I'm of the opinion that when you're a team like the Dodgers, as good as the Dodgers are, as high as their payroll is, and with their expectations of winning the World Series, I don't know if I believe that Anibal Sanchez is an upgrade over anybody. And, and so, like, I mean, I recognize the benefit would be that you could give Julio some time off, you know, Gonsolin, wh- whoever it is, um, but I. I don't know. He's 37 years old. Sanchez is. He was bad last year. Obviously, it's a it, it was a flukish season, but uh, he led the league in earned runs allowed last year in the shortened season. Uh, he was decent in 2019 for the Nationals, pretty good in 2018 for the for the Braves, and that was after being kind of bad for a few years before that. And so I, I feel like Anibal Sanchez's career has ended so many times already that I would be kind of nervous about the Dodgers signing him and having this be the time that it really ends for good. I don't think necessarily him. I think someone like that. It's weird because the Dodgers don't have the luxury right now of being in first place and having control yet. But if they can gain that control, it wouldn't necessarily be someone that you need an upgrade over anyone in the rotation. It's literally just a guy to go every five days and give you five or six innings. But on the other side, like I mentioned, the Dodgers don't have that luxury where they can kind of toss games away to the wind of having a six, seven starter type. 
with the, like a four or five ERA, you know, going four or five innings, giving up three or four runs. So it, it's, and like I said, I'm still interested to see how, what they're going to do and how they're going to do it because there's just a lot of innings left in the season and the guys have already thrown a lot of innings compared to last season and in general in their career for like a guy like Julio and then Gonson's shoulder. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But Josiah Gray did throw a, a bullpen the other day, I believe, or a simulated game, something like that. So maybe he could be back and be one of those guys that gives them a couple starts down the stretch. Yeah, and there will be plenty of options on at the trade deadline. We don't know exactly who's going to be available yet, um, but you know there there are there are plenty of teams that will be out of contention in the next month, and that will have you know a a veteran starter available uh, if they do need to go that route. I'm still hoping they go the route of a uh, closer to elite veteran starter. Um, you know, perhaps one whose name rhymes with Jack's Jerzer, but uh, but overall, uh, you know, they'll they'll figure out what they need to do and they'll get it done. And based on the past, it may be a name that none of us have even thought of, and then we'll look back and say, why didn't we think of that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, one name I won't. Now nah, I'll save it for another episode. Uh, we're gonna come back and talk about Cody Bellinger, Zach McKinstry, and some of the other offensive players. So make sure to keep it locked on Dodgers. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. We say it every time, but it, it's definitely true. And the best part is that they have a bunch of different flavors and they're always switching out those flavors. They usually carry about nine flavors on the site. Right now, the new flavor on the site is German chocolate cake. I don't personally have not had that one, but I love German chocolate cake. So I would imagine it's going to taste great because all Built Bars taste great. And you can get all your Built Bars at BuiltBar.com. If you don't know what you like or you want to find out what you like, you can always try a mix box. They'll give you two of every kind. You decide what you like, and when you order more in the future, you can decide what flavor you want. Um, all the Bill Bars are high in protein, high in fiber, low carbs, low sugar, and just overall good for you. And if you want to get some Bill Bars, you go to BillBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BillBar.com. All right, last part here Dodgers offensively had some some standouts over the weekend uh, one of them Cody Bellinger who hit the walk-off home run on Saturday had a two-run home run in a six-run inning on Sunday recently came off the injured list and yeah Jeff I mean I I think it's a little too early to proclaim Bellinger is back but it was a good sign to see him have some power put some good swings on the ball and, you know, back in center field, that's that's already a given plus every time he's out there. And we've seen that just in the short time that he's been back. But if they can get start getting stuff offensively from Bellinger, the Dodgers are going to look like a lot different team. I totally agree. And for me, obviously the home runs are really nice. Uh, the deep sack fly that he barely missed, almost had another two-run homer on Sunday. But for me, his command of the strike zone has been really, really good because when when Bellinger has struggled at times in the past, he, he's chasing, he's, you know, especially the, that high fastball that, you know, if he's not right, he can't catch up to it and he's still chasing it. And what we've seen from Bellinger a lot in the last few days is commanding the strike zone, spitting on tough pitchers pitches and, and, you know, working walks or working favorable hitters counts. You know, that's when, when they, uh, I don't know if you saw, they asked that ESPN interviewed Bellinger about 10 minutes after the game on Sunday 
and, and asked him about that home run on Sunday. And first thing Bellinger mentioned was, I got myself into a favorable count. You know, he'd taken a four-pitch walk his first time up, and then he, he got, I think it was a two or three-in-one count, actually, when he hit the home run, I think. Uh, and just that that little thing of getting into those hitters' counts gives you the opportunity to get good pitches to hit. And him being aware, you know, I, I think we can all agree that, you know, the the first word we would use for Cody uh, to describe him might not be aware all the time, but you can tell that obviously on defense, he he's very, very good all the time. Uh, but having that awareness in the box and recognizing this is a hitter's count, I am likely to get something grooved down the middle and then being able to do something with it. Same thing that he did uh, for the walk-off home run the other night, got into a favorable count and then, did the damage when he got the pitch he was looking for. And so that combination of two things, I think a lot of it really does stem from him being able to lay off pitches out of the zone to make pitchers come into the zone. It's the same dynamic we've seen from Max Muncie this year that that's made him so good, not chasing pitches out of the zone, punishing pitches in the zone. And uh, if Bellinger can do that, that's like 2019 early season Bellinger stuff. Definitely. And, you know, we talked about last week how he had mentioned you know, he's not going to think about numbers anymore. He just wants to help the team win the games. Uh, you know, doing what he did the last two days is definitely a way to, to help the team win some games. One guy that we hadn't talked about pre, but what, what you just said kind of resonates a little bit with this guy, uh, more so on the patient side, is Gavin Lux. Gavin Lux has struggled at the plate in terms of getting base hits in the last couple weeks. Uh, but what he has not struggled with is getting on base, which is a complete flip from the beginning of the season. Uh, when he was not walking at all and then once he was stopped hitting early in the season not walking and not hitting was a bad combination and he's a guy who's really stepped it up in that department lately um you know boosted his obp he's like i said not hitting but he's looking better at the play taking better pitches not chasing as much and you can only imagine that that's going to lead to more success here in the near future yeah absolutely and like, like you said he got his first hit in like I think he had gone 22 at bats or something without a hit before uh, his hit on Sunday. But in that, if you look at the last, uh, since June 15th, so almost two weeks, uh, the last 12 games, his batting average is 162. He has struggled a lot to hit. His on-base percentage in that time is 354. Now, it's, it's uh, obviously you need some power going along with that. You need some actual hits to help the OPS because in that time his OPS has gone from 712 to 672. But his on-base percentage has stayed exactly the same. It's gone from 312 to 312. He's just, uh, you know, so what he's been lacking in hits, he's been making up for in walks. And, you know, there's the hope that what will follow is like you said, that same thing we were just talking about with Bellinger, that his ability to command the zone will force pitchers to come into the zone and give him pitches to hit. And he's too good a hitter to to miss those good pitcher those good hitters pitches uh, for too long. And so if he can keep command of the zone, I think we're going to see a pretty good offensive turnaround from Lux. Yeah, and, that, and that's what that's the hope is that a lot of these guys kind of figured out, especially you know guys like Lux, guys like Bellinger. They can just take the good or take the bad pitches, hit the good pitches. Uh, you know they're going to have a lot of success. The last guy I wanted to talk about was Zach McKinstry, who had the big hit on Sunday, the grand slam, put the Dodgers up 4-0 early. Had struggled when he first came back off the IL. Has seemingly heated up in the last week or so. Uh, you know a lot more base hits, and it, we can maybe attribute it to 
Uh, probably one of the more simple things out there in the baseball world is keeping your eyes open, right, Jeff? Yeah. Uh, apparently, he was closing his eyes when he was swinging the bat. And, uh, you know, that that's kind of a, a thing I joke around with a lot of times with, with the kids on, on my son's baseball team. Uh, and also, I say it to the TV, with, mostly with Jock Peterson, it seemed like, last year, uh, the last few years, where somebody will take a really big swing and miss, and I'll say, all right, same thing, but with your eyes open this time. And I always thought I was joking, but it's, it appears that Zach McKinstry was uh, subconsciously, not on purpose, closing his eyes as he was getting close to the point of contact. And we didn't really get much clarity on when they identified and fixed that. Uh, but if you look at his numbers, you could kind of guess around when they fixed it because if you, you start on June 13th, so in his last 11 games, he's batting 314 with a 385 on base percentage and a 543 slugging percentage. Uh, two doubles, two homers in that time. Uh, and, and so, you know, maybe that doesn't line up exactly, but, you know, you, you could grab, basically he had three, he had an 0 for 8 stretch in there. Other than that, he's had hits almost every game. Uh, in those 11 games, I think he's had hits in seven of them. Uh, and, and so, uh, assuming it was around that time, I'm always skeptical of stories like this, but if they do line up with, oh, look, they made a fix and his performance improved, I'm more inclined to believe him. And so uh, I, I think uh, it, it would be awesome if that is totally accurate and they really can turn his season back around and get him close to what he was early in the year just by a simple thing of, hey, try swinging with your eyes open this time. Yeah, Dave Roberts mentioned uh, that was a, a, a new one for him, probably a new one for most people. And, you know, kudos, you know, if, if it is a, a true thing, kudos to whoever noticed it. Uh, you know, they watch so much film and, and look back at, at all that bats that it probably wasn't that hard once you kind of realize it. And like I said, it's a simple thing. But, hey, if it, that's what coincides with when he's starting to hit and he keeps that, keeps that up the rest of the year, uh, the Dodgers will be in a good spot, especially with him, you know, getting not everyday playing time, but playing three, four times a week and, you know, really helping out there from the left side. So, you know, it just, it's just the added dynamic. We saw, you know, the Dodgers started off hot and with McKinstry when he went down, that's kind of coincided with the struggles. Obviously, it wasn't 100% because of that, but it definitely played a part in it. I mean, he was a RBI leader there for the first few weeks or so, so... If he can get it going, the rest of the Dodgers keep get going. You know, Bellinger stays where he's at the last couple of days. Gavin Lux can turn his new eye into, uh, you know, finding better pitches to swing at in general. Uh, the Dodgers should be looking at a good time over the next month or so. When, like I said earlier, um, we talked about they play the Giants nine times, starting with two the next two nights. Yep. Uh, hi, Jeff. I think that's all we had on our docket. You have anything else you want to add? Uh, I don't think so. It turned into a fun weekend after a really lousy start. It was a fun weekend of Dodger baseball. And, uh, you know, it was fun seeing you at Dodger Stadium, being back there. I don't know when I'm going to be back again. I'm I'm back in Utah now and uh, don't have any more trips planned. But knowing me, I imagine I'll be back uh, sooner than my wife would like. Yeah, we'll see you at some point during the season. All right, that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you all for listening. Make sure to follow, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to tell your friends and family. Make sure to tell any Dodger fan in your life. They don't have to be friends or family, but, uh, you know, preferably so that you, that's who you're going to tell. But, hey, we're not going to stop you. If you see a Dodger guy, Dodger fan right there in the street wearing a Dodger hat, just say, hey, uh, go follow, go watch uh, or go listen to Locked on Dodgers. Don't watch us. 
I guess eventually they might watch us, but hopefully not. Uh, either way, go do all that. Follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at Locked on Dodgers. Jeff is on Twitter at Snydog. I'm at Vince Samperio. If you want to call and leave us a voicemail or send us a text, you can do so at 323-863-LOCK, or you can send us an email, LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be with us when you get in your car or if you're at home. Take your smart device, play a podcast, Locked on Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Lockdown Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Lockdown Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. D, I say D-O, D-O-D-G-E-R-S. The team that's all heart, all heart and all thumbs. They're my Los Angeles, your Los Angeles, our Los Angeles. Do you think we'll really win the pennant?